0: Welcome to Write Good, the podcast that helps you write good. I'm Raquel S. Benedict, the most dangerous woman in speculative fiction. In this episode, we're talking about social media. We are all online, excessively online. For writers, social media can be a valuable tool for networking and self-promotion. But is it really necessary? And can the drawbacks outweigh the positives. In this episode, we're talking about the difference between writing and posting. We are joined by our producer, Matt Keeley, and self-published novelist, Megan Cubed. Thank you both for coming back.
1: No problem. How's it going?
0: It is going okay.
2: I'm just glad to be back for like non well not necessarily shitposty reasons so I mean I had a good time last time but I might actually have something more useful to say but we'll see it's still early in the episode <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so both of you have a history of of using social media with writing Matt you've worked for some online magazines and been heavily involved in the social media promotion of that Megan mm-hmm. you've been a lot more involved in the sort of fandom sphere than i have and and are a lot closer to that i've sort of been on the edges of that and looked at it with shock and and terror <laughs> and you've been in the trenches you've been in the swamp so you have an insider's perspective as much as anyone can to fandom that i do not have
2: yes for <laughs> for good and ill yeah that's that's very accurate <laughs> like like uh my, my 15 10 or 15 years in the trenches so my god yeah, uh, yeah, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, why don't we just start off discussing do writers even need social media? I mean, you can definitely get published still by just sending a story to a publication and it getting accepted. But more and more these days, writers and any kind of artists we are expected to have an online platform. You're expected to have a social media presence. You're expected to have a personal brand. You're expected to be on multiple platforms. You're expected to have a website, of course. How necessary do you think that is? And does it depend on the kind of writer, I guess?
1: My background is mostly in journalism. So I'm I'm coming at it from a, a different angle, but I know that with, with at least journalism, there are a lot of journalists who've done really well with social media, like Liz Die comes to mind, who is uh, following the Alex Jones schadenfreude trial. <laughs> Hell yeah. So you can get a lot of juice with that if you can go viral. And I think at least in the before times, having a blue check helped with that. I mean now, <laughs> not
0: anymore. Yeah,
1: now now all now it's probably more of a hindrance than anything else. Yeah, it's a dunce
0: um, cap now, man.
1: Exactly. But I think with journalism a lot of times it's more useful in terms of the outlet, unless you're a superstar journalist and have your own following. Because I, I know that like I could post stuff from the magazine that I worked on and it would do really well but then i would i would reshare or or tweet myself and i think the only thing i got was uh the one dude who was really really mad about my satanic panic article because i didn't actually reach out to him because he was a nut so yeah the reasons that's on the table <laughs> yeah was... yeah
0: well what about for fiction though i mean short story fi- fiction writing or novel fiction writing and i'm sure there's Obviously there's gonna be a massive difference in are you trad pubbed or are you self-published? I don't know if a self-published author can even hope to sell without having some kind of online presence without sort of hustling and promoting yourself.
2: Yeah. In my experience, because I started I started publishing about a decade ago, back in the ancient times when like Facebook was still a thing that people were on. And when I first started, it was, I was kind of deep in the indie horror, bizarro, like weird tale scene. And I I started off writing short stories, started placing in some weird offbeat outlets at the time and getting into some anthologies and stuff. So starting from nothing, it was, yeah, you absolutely had to because you wouldn't even know where to begin unless you you found a group, a Facebook group or and started following authors started following editors started following people who were organizing short story anthologies or or things like that or magazines and uh and that kind of thing since i've shifted towards self-publishing fortunately i had just enough of a following from my old indie publishing days and then my failed attempts at journalism when I was doing criticism when I was covering comic books and movies and I had a podcast briefly and these were dark times at the 2010s (laughs) you know (laughs) but um I was able to make that transition from having mediocre success in like the very very small independent horror scene and then comics film nerd kind of culture and then shifting over to just publishing my own fiction full-time I had to go through a lot of different routes to get to have a following from fiction to reviews and criticism and all that stuff to get people along with me as I shifted to fiction and both in some short stories and my own anthology stuff and then novels, you know. So um, yeah, I would, I would say that, yeah, I, you would absolutely, you're totally able to get, I think, traditionally published to some capacity or another. Would you know even where to begin? probably not unless you're online at least not in the very very early days and then yeah from the self-publishing perspective it is you got to be on there hustling 24 7 or like you don't exist
0: it looks exhausting
2: yeah it is (laughs) this is actually the first the first time that i've i stopped hustling from december to like a week ago and it was just like, I did not, I didn't post sales links or anything. And it was, it was beautiful. It was like, I had a life again. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't realize how much I was so burnt out on constantly hustling people. Or something like, oh, you have such a great work, work ethic. And, you know, you're always promoting your the stuff is so interesting and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> I horrible. I don't care if the posts are funny. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I,
0: I know you've definitely written that you've been deliberately stepping away somewhat from social media and from mm-hmm. fandom just for your sanity can you talk about that a little more
2: yeah i i have been through some stuff on the old on the old internet especially on, on the, the 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 bird app a lot of just nasty kind of harassment type stuff i ran afoul of kiwi farms and yeah, yeah and then ended up running afoul of like fandom-y type people who decided I was the devil or something and talking about cartoon characters and shows I've never heard of. It, You know, whatever. It's Twitter. (laughs) That's just what it is. Yeah, I've had to kind of take a step back from how I use it because like everyone on Twitter I'm I'm very depressed and anxious all the time. So (laughs) the more I'm there the worse it gets. I've had to take a step back and try to become more deliberate in how I kind of present my work and myself and the kind of people I want to engage with, not just in terms of, <clears throat> excuse me, not just in terms of authors that I want to talk to and, and network with, or like even people, because I, I talk a lot to a lot of people on comics Twitter, you know, I come from, I have a kind of a comics background. And so trying to figure out who is your friend and who is the person who's trying to use you as a stepping stone mm. or you know, if, as long as they can use your name to sell a couple books, all of a sudden you're their friend until you say the wrong thing. And then you're like, I don't know, dead to them. And I'm like, we were never friends. I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> We just do each other on Twitter. Because, especially with Twitter. And it's interesting that you bring up fandom because, unfortunately, like kind of the circles that I'm in. Because I started off in horror and then I moved to like sort of a... Sci-fi, urban fantasy kind of thing with my my second book, and then I moved into more like monster hunting, parent I guess sort of paranormal romance sort of thing, which I'm not actually in the romance, romance landia situation, but I kind of skirt the edges of it. So I kind of got pulled into some conversations, into some some scenes that it was like I just. I don't belong here these problems aren't my problems (laughs) which sounds selfish but these these expectations are not expectations that I'm catering to these fights these cliques this drama so I've I've it was very stressful and like a lot of the mentality of these cliques and groups and things have kind of made my relationship to my work very fraught because it's Mm -hmm. like I don't want to just be in a clique and hang out with certain people and talk about certain things because the trappings of certain certain genres and their fandoms and such just don't apply to me. And with Twitter, you end up in this sort of spiral of the writing community, especially sci-fi fantasy and and YA and romance is so deeply embedded in fandom. Hand in hand. So many people came from a fandom background and started writing fan fiction and then moved over to original fiction, which I did too. I had a live journal for far, far too long. (laughs) And I wrote ridiculous amounts of stories. I ran groups. I ran contests. Like, it was insane. So, like, I get that, you know, but at a certain point, it's like, this stuff is fun, but it's not feeding me emotionally, creatively, Mm. you know? And so I, I had my last hurrah, like, I think, eight years ago, 10 years ago and then I just never went back to any of that stuff. with a lot of authors they're like really into fandom, be it their own fandom or the whole thing of treating your work. this is such a thing with women and queer people in genre spaces but talking about your work in terms of fan fiction and AO3 tags and things like that where it just like people are hanging out with fandom accounts. And so when a lot of drama starts happening in some of these circles, it sounds like you're talking about labor problems or discrimination in publishing. And so, you know, I run out there like, okay, I have a hot take about that. And then you are going through the threads and you're clicking back through stuff and then someone's just retweeting like a Homestuck account. And it's like, this is shipping drama. You took shipping drama and told me that this was like a labor issue, you know? Oh no. Um, and so, yeah, and so it's just trying to figure out how to get, how to position myself in terms of my own work and, and things like that, where you're, you're separate from these things that, like, because fandom has nothing to do with me. Other people's fandom has nothing to do with me, and, and, and fandom drama has nothing to do with publishing. And yet, if a Twilight fan account talks out the side of their head, all of a sudden, New York Times bestselling authors, because it works through the fan- the friend groups... Are talking about it like it's a real threat to publishing and i'm like this has yeah. to, this has to stop <laughs> please,
0: yeah you please you tell kinda me about contracts a, at <laughs> some point when you become a professional author you kind of have to put a wall between that i feel yeah it, it's kind of like playing baseball in the neighborhood with neighborhood kids and then you get into the major leagues and it's like okay you can't play baseball with these children on your block anymore yeah you'll fucking kill them (laughs) you you have to stop (laughs) you have to stop you're getting into an argument with a 13 year old girl about her favorite ships yeah you're 40 you can't do this
2: yeah yeah and i had to decide especially as a self-published author and a queer person and someone who's worked drifts towards love stories when everything is just from the marketing to the discussions about it to even just trying to get people to look at it and talk about it everything has to be done in this terms of fandom and I'm just like, I don't go here mm-hmm. and I, I feel alienated by this because it's 10 years in the rear view, you know I'm so done with that and while I do not begrudge anyone for their thing Whatever their thing is, like I spend way too much time talking about <laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on Twitter these days. You know, that's you my know. <laughs> that's my cross to bear. When the the kids on TikTok doing dances about Gideon the Ninth has no bearing on the rest of this, and neither does like Homestuck shipping discourse or anything else. <laughs> At some point, you have to like take yourself seriously and hang out with people who take themselves seriously. Because I don't want to talk about Homestuck ships. I don't ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm done. I, I cashed in like I turned I returned my card, I gave my keys back, I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so in other words, bringing it back to the back to the center, there is this double-edged sword of having an online presence. On one hand, you get a chance to network, you get a chance to promote yourself, you get a chance to get your name out there, get your work seen, get your work shared, which can improve your sales. It can and and networking is incredibly valuable in any industry and networking in person takes resources that you might not have maybe you don't have the time and money to travel but you can post and you can get to know people by posting and I know quote-unquote a lot of writers purely by posting Mm -hmm. and and that that I've made some very valuable connections through that like Matt and I that literally have never met we've known each other for 20 years we met on Mm -hmm. a keen spot message board
1: (laughs) many years ago Towns home forever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Homes Zone for life. <laughs>
0: so, obviously, like, you can really make some wonderful friendships from that, but there's the double-edged sword of it is such a drain of energy, it's such a drain of time, and it can make you fucking miserable to be in it. It can be a really toxic space. A lot of online writing spaces, and in genre fiction particularly, can be just fucking awful. Just mm-hmm. really, really rough, and... So it's always this really difficult balance of needing to put yourself out there and promote yourself, but feeling frustrated, getting harassed, getting stressed out, spending all this time
1: online that you could be spending writing or reading. Yeah, and I think on the journalism side, too, there's an extra, I guess an extra sword to potentially cut yourself on, because I know on uh, the outlet I used to work for, they had a policy where we had we couldn't really weigh in on political things, mm-hmm. uh, lest we seem biased. And so, when I was at that outlet, my my Twitter and Facebook really basically became a self promotion, but also retweeting cute kitty accounts and stuff like that because I wasn't really allowed to. The only the only exception that I allowed myself was pro-trans uh, stuff just because that's important to me. And even then, I would mostly keep to the trans rights or human rights, that kind of thing. Although, honestly, now, you know, if I were still at that outlet, I would still be posting the stuff that, because it's become much more of a culture war issue, especially yeah. especially mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. I, I, I can't be silent about that shit, but it's still... The, the the fear that some chud is going to go oh well we have to discount everything this guy says because he says that that gay people are human you know whatever <laughs> nonsense it's it's so harsh and it's maddening and it's such bullshit we're recording this on the week that Tucker Carlson got fired. And I just saw a thing today where he posted, he, he broke his silence, quote unquote, and posted a video and he was going like, decrying debates and stuff, debates on TV. And I'm like, who the fuck's problem is, who are you trying to fool here? I mean, it's all like, oh, we don't talk about real issues, which of course he put in a hella racist dog whistle about, uh, changing demographics is one of his big issues. But I mean, it's like, dude, your entire career is bitching about that. You can't jerk off to the fucking Eminem anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like, get some fucking self-awareness, man. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and
0: to bring it back, I think that is a potential and very common side effect of being too on social media it distorts your idea of what the world is how people think what mm-hmm. kind of media they're interested in and what's important i i think we've all encountered a little too much fiction that's written it's written in post style and not in fiction style like you'll read one writer and you think this is a blog post this is not a story or man this feels like a twitter threat Fucking sucks, and then, yeah. I think on the journalism side, there's the I understand why these exist because they're they're really cheap and easy to put out. The many many stories of this guy's being a dick online.
1: Oh yeah, I we're mean, gonna
0: that... post a bunch of links and screenshots to some shitty things that some random guy said on the internet. It's like okay, but
1: why why is this really newsworthy? You know, and that's the the thing is too, is because like I mean, I I I I've written some of those. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny it. But I mean, I have totally written those. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I am yeah. guilty. Oh
1: yeah, but oh, yeah. it, it's that thing where now this was always like a big deal at my outlet was like, well, if we write stupid stuff, like that, or I, I was notorious for doing a bunch of basically repackaging. Am I the asshole threads? You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, so
0: I remember you mm-hmm. did so many Reddit threads.
1: And I mean, I, <laughs> I hate doing it. And like, I even interviewed with somebody for another gig and I mentioned that and they were like, Oh my God, I hate those. I'm like, dude, me too. Oh, it's like this thing where you don't want to do those because they're stupid, but they're also the only thing that, I mean, not the only thing, obviously, but they're, they're the ones that drive the traffic.
0: God, they totally are. Cause I am guilty of that on the one hand. Oh, I'll think this is just a repackaged Reddit thread. But then when I see the headline, man says he refuses to wipe his ass because it's gay. I am I am 100% going to click on that because oh, I'm yeah. an idiot. Oh,
2: exactly, I will yeah. absolutely, I will
0: keep drinking that garbage.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would get like pretty good at figuring out how to best craft the headline to get clicks because the other the other downside with those two is if you do it too it ends up just getting people to shout at each other online, but they don't actually click through to the story. Oh yeah. So yeah. there's got to be a little yeah. bit of mystery to it, and I, I it's this weird You're, alchemy. You won't yeah. believe <laughs> what happens next. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's so bullshit clickbaity, but it. <laughs> it's an art then clicks (laughs)
2: hey look my day job is marketing you gotta do what you gotta do man no no shade no judgment (laughs) yeah but yeah that's that's the thing is if they
1: don't if they don't click on it yeah it doesn't work or it doesn't matter because even that sort of environment has changed where even if you get people complaining about it it doesn't necessarily, cause it used to be that engagement is engagement, mm-hmm. but it, it's gotten less of that. So you might have people yelling at each other in the comment thread, but especially on like Facebook, it doesn't really give you that boost anymore.
0: Huh? I can kind mm-hmm. of see that. Yeah. People who just don't read the article or one person will post screenshots. Yeah, so then I mean, nobody actually has to click through in order to
1: read the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean even even before he used to be like, let, let, let's say that Raquel, you you got caught up in a you know an argument thread. It, it like Facebook what impossible. That would I never know. happen. <laughs> I, know, I would never I know. do
0: such a thing. How dare you. How <laughs> dare
1: just, you uh, say just a purely <laughs> conjectural cool. but he used to put that since we'd be Facebook friends. It used to put that on my feed and I'd go, oh, I can see the the thing that you're yelling at people about. And it doesn't really seem to do that much anymore. Oh, wow. Or at least, you know, in my non-scientific. But it used to do that so which is why I used to be really good about liking people's posts about important things, because so it used to boost it. But Facebook has gotten so into... We're only really going to boost your stuff if you give us money. Yeah. Um, that it's not really worth it. So, all you get is like, there's a cartoonist I like that I follow, and I only see his stuff, but I'll just get hit by the one guy who happened to see it shared yeah. on his friend who's like a chud and is all like, Ugh. so I just have this one thing that I would see anyway. And so I just happened to get an asshole attached to it mm-hmm. instead of the assholes actually making Facebook go like, oh, this is important. I'm going to share it. You know, like it used to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, so can... with, with with Kitty Sneezes and Write Good, we I don't even post the episodes to Facebook anymore because... No, nah,
0: we both gave up on doing that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> when
1: whenever I would, it would have the little metrics. They would be like, Three people have seen your post, and I'm talking, like, episodes that have, that have done well. It doesn't matter how good or how juicy the episode is. Three people are just going to see the post, even though we've got however many likes and whatever. We
0: had a good number of followers on there, but our followers would just not see exactly. what we were posting because we weren't paying to boost it. Yeah. Right and so it's just not worth it as a platform and we can talk about it more about individual platforms later but uh i know i'm that... the gut a little yeah, that's okay <laughs> well <laughs> but but yeah the the internet's ability for self-promotion can be very difficult and, and varied in in many ways too just because what actually gets shared isn't 100 percent up to you it can be, be up to the algorithms and attempting to tailor your content to appeal to these ever-changing algorithms and to, to chase those SEO scores mm-hmm. can be such a losing battle because it's mm-hmm. always, always changing and it's changing so quickly and they don't really announce what the change is because they don't want you to exploit it. So how do you keep doing that? I can understand it if you're doing some purely commercial work, like if you're working as a journalist, if you're working in marketing, you kind of have to. But I feel like mm-hmm. for a someone who's doing things more for more to be creative and expressive, like a fiction writer. I'm not really comfortable with that approach of trying to change this in order to chase the algorithm.
2: No, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah.
0: It, it feels like a losing battle. Yeah, it's a bonus yeah, game.
2: It is. I had put out a book about, about two years ago in twenty in February of uh, 2021, and... I kind of got hopped up on the on the the self published marketing juices, you know. Listen to the wrong people. <laughs> Usually, I'm pretty good about ignoring really bad advice, but that was like, you know, I have a new book out. It's been a couple of years. I really need to make this a win. And dig in and like, I I chased the algorithm for like a year uh. and trends because I just I put the book out during the pandemic. I was trying to get it published leading into the pandemic, and then the whole thing got like publishing just hit the wall and slid down in 2020 like it was bad <laughs> so I, I put the book out myself a year into the pandemic and everything and then so i i kind of was listened to some really bad advice and chasing the algorithm and like i said i, I haven't been promoting my books anymore so i've been really <laughs> so it's been yeah. it's been it's been a, it's been a joy a, and to kind of circle back to your point about just the the crushing nature of social media for for writers i've had this conversation with a few people like comics artists people who do stuff on youtube or original series or whatever we have to constantly promote ourselves like in each other and in the indie space and whatever your project is comics novels weird youtube horror stuff whatever args you kind of have to really promote each other and and all that but then it comes a point where you're like but if this goes viral will i ruin my friend's life oh god you know and i have watched a lot of really good creators just get overwhelmed and then destroyed by virality because they either reach such a point that like people will, as usual, you know, you reach a certain threshold of followers and people think you're no longer a human being and they can just scream and throw things at you all day for fun. You know, when you create something then this fandom overnight just amasses around it and then now you're up you're held up to standards for things that you have no ability to because you're one person making something in your bedroom on a computer you know you're not a production team so you know the flip side of like when you want your own work or the work of other people to plug along and, and be popular not popular I guess I should say be well received enough to sustain itself to make furthering the project worth it for you and for whatever small audience that you've cultivated with the work but then if something goes viral it's like i don't know if i want to do this to somebody because i know i don't want it to happen to me because you cannot control like you said what makes it outside of like the the escape threshold (laughs) and once you cross that who knows and then you end up one of these listicle articles that you were talking about (laughs) where it's like some asshole on twitter and you're like well that's it that's my legacy now So, yeah, it is this balancing act where you want to help, you want to stay relevant enough to to feed the project and and keep working on it and keep your friends above water. But then if this goes viral, then man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when something goes viral, it gets so out of control and people get weird and they just sort of make up in their minds. This is who I think this person is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get mad at that person. Mm-hmm. And that person's not real, but they think it's you. Yeah. You. Okay.
2: Thanks. Cool. <laughs> I
0: wanted this to happen today. Now we got to deal with this.
2: Yeah. New problem. New trauma. Uh, <laughs>
0: Just for yeah, me. It's, it's weird. There's also, there's also so- this other side to it, which I think social media can distort your ideas about what kind of media people actually care about. Oh, yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. Here's the media that gets in online fandom versus here's the media that people really find is significant or or important. I I mean, I know Supernatural was a popular show, but I feel like the online fandom it gets is massive in comparison to the cultural effect it had oh, yeah. in the real world. In, in the greater world, most people kind of, yeah, I guess I've heard of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. But the amount of fandom works it has generated is just staggering. It's so much. Really? I didn't think it was that important show. And then I remember recently, there was this talk about James Cameron's Avatar sequel. Well, We don't think it's really going to go anywhere because it didn't generate this big online fandom. It didn't leave a big footprint in the culture, supposedly. Well, that turned out not to be true. It's not a work that generated a lot of online fandom... But it is. Obviously, we saw the sequel was wildly financially successful, a shitload of people saw it. It's just not mm-hmm. fandom-y, and, and to be fandom-ish, a work will have certain qualities that don't necessarily always translate to real-world popularity or, or aren't necessary for real-world popularity. And for one instance, I guess, having very shippable leads, having two, like, bland... Usually white, non-threatening guys for for girls to ship, that kind of creates online fandom, and Avatar didn't really have that, but for a whole lot of audience members, they don't care. Mm
1: -hmm. They they don't
0: care, and I kind of feel like if you spend so much time online and in, in fandom spaces, you forget that most people don't care about that. It's not that important to you. You kind of forget that most people will just watch an action movie and go, Yeah, that was pretty good. And then go home and not, like, dress up as the characters and write stories about them getting married.
2: Yeah, like, the presence of fandom in online spaces is so overblown, I guess. Right? Or uh, maybe not overblown, but, like, the effect that they have. Because, like, I see people... it, it, It gets so crazy because I'll sit there and I'll be talking about writing about my, my my own projects or a friend's project and then someone will start talking to me about fan fiction and it's just like do you do you think that every person that you encounter is in your fandom because that's a weird thing <laughs> like <laughs> again we'll have our thing and, and i guess it's like when you had properties it's like the supernatural situation and and freaking shows like teen wolf that were living on the internet and feeding fans with queer baiting and crap people feel that the fandom, you're chasing the fandom, the fandom is the most important thing, getting people to coalesce around your work and, and dress like your characters. Oh my God, that's the most important thing. And like, and I have conversations with writers and before they've even finished the book, before they've even drafted the book, they're like, I just really want people to ship my characters and to draw fan art. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. People have done that for me and that's really cool. But I'm like, that's not sustainable. And that has nothing to do with me. That's something that y'all do over there. amongst yourselves that's your friends that's that's not me and this chasing of fandom and saying that anything that doesn't have forty ao ao3 fix has no bearing on reality when like everyone's mom goes to see fast and the furious and everyone's mom goes to see the avatar movies it does truly distort especially with the algorithm and and fandom stuff and just nerd culture in general it absolutely just distorts what you think matters? What you think anybody cares about? Oh my god! I remember having some friends online who were arguing that nobody, that nobody went to go see the new Avatar because no one went to go see the first one because the only people that like it are racist and American imperialists. But then everyone I would see online talking about it like this is not this is an anti imperial film, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. But just I don't because- know. I'm
0: guessing most audience members were just. It's fun to watch the blue cat aliens beat up soldiers. It's fun.
2: Um, I mean, yeah, it was like Mecca. probably not that deep. Yeah, it's like we love. Apparently, mechs. there's a space
0: whale attacking <laughs> dudes in spaceships. That sounds pretty good.
2: Yeah, exactly. We like mechs. We like sexy blue alien cat people. We're, we're easy to please. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't need to think that deep. Do, Everyone... do the
0: do the spaceships blow up real good? Okay. Okay. Most oof. people are going to be pretty happy with that.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Which I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I don't think you have to like this idea that you have to dedicate your life to a single art object (laughs) and dress up as the characters or it made no impact on you or society i think is just kind of it's kind of weird as someone who used to spend way too much time obsessing about art objects yeah (laughs) as a reformed member
0: yeah yeah you kind of forget how to like things a normal way
2: Mm -hmm. oh yeah you do you absolutely (laughs) and and
0: it's very healthy to just like a thing a normal way in normal amount but Mm -hmm. That being said, why don't we start talking about some of the different platforms with a focus on how, how valuable they are for writers Mm -hmm. with advantages and disadvantages. The first one we inevitably have to talk about it is of course, Twitter book. (laughs) Twitter is a cesspool, but (laughs) the thing about Twitter is it is one of very few text-based social media platforms rather than image-based or video-based like Instagram, like TikTok, like YouTube. So that's the appeal for writers and journalists. You know, TikTok, Mm -hmm. you need to be photogenic and good at dancing, and most writers are not. Most (laughs) writers aren't hot, I'm sorry. Most writers are not conventionally hot people. Writing is an art that improves as you get older and saggier. (laughs) Not when you're young and perky and photogenic. So Twitter's good for that. If you can fire off a short, witty remark it can get a lot of of mileage but the downside is well obvious it there's a lot of harassment and since it's been bought by elon musk it's just it's it's gotten real bad yeah it's gotten a hell of a lot worse it's starting to feel like a dying mall.
2: yeah yeah not like in a fun way
0: <laughs> but, yeah and like We're a not- weird gross way like who's that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hanging out over there security <laughs> should get rid of that guy oh fuck exactly. they laid
1: off security yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's a dying mall that's got nothing but bookstores that sell Mein Kampf and...
2: Asbestos is falling shops. out of the ceiling. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes, yes. And, uh, and I'm curious as to,
0: will Elon Musk be forced to sell it before it goes just irretrievably down to hell? Or is it kind of just going to keep dying and we'll have to move on somewhere else because I'm I'm looking at this as a writer like well where else can we go we talked about facebook and mm-hmm. facebook is useless for text and everything else these yep. days the algorithm mm-hmm. sucks you have to pay to boost posts or no one will see your posts and it's just it's not a good time on there i i i definitely spend too much time on social media but during the pandemic i spent was spending a long time on facebook and i realized like i hate this Hey, yeah. Every time I'm on this, I feel slightly angrier. I this isn't fun. Yeah. And I just deactivated my account and never looked back. I, it was a very good decision for me, and I do not regret it.
2: Yeah, I deleted mine three years ago, and I'm like, yes, if I can commit to deleting Twitter, which will be soon, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think I could. I can think I can ascend and make my way to heaven, but you know, yeah, we'll <laughs> wait and see how that works out.
0: Yeah. But I mean, the the other side of it is that t- through Twitter, I mean, I, I met you through Twitter. I've met a shitload of terrific writers mm-hmm. who I'm friends with and who really helped me out. I, I meet a lot of guests for this podcast mm-hmm. on Twitter. So it has fulfilled this very valuable networking tool, despite the massive, massive, massive drawbacks that I've had. And I don't know where to go after. Them. I mean, Mastodon, I just haven't really found that mastodon i think a lot of the trouble with the sort of twitter clones is that they're built to try to prevent that kind of crazy outsized harassment where one remark that you make that's really intended for a limited audience of your followers escapes containment and people who aren't really meant for it see it in sort of a poor context and go kind of nuts on it Mm -hmm. but Twitter's ability to do that is also the virality. It's also what makes it useful, which is that you can write some little silly posts and then like 20,000 people are sharing your goofy joke or your picture of your cat that you never thought anyone else was going to look at. And you go like, wow, that is really helpful. And, and the fact that these other platforms are trying to, in order to diminish harassment, try and prevent that kind of crazy virality, what that means is It's also a lot more limited in your reach and it's a lot more limited in your ability to promote yourself
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i know that when mastodon launched a lot was made about it being oh it's decentralized it it, it's it's the torrents of social media (laughs) but it's such a double-edged sword because yeah sure but in, in in addition to that kind of siloing off thing you also get a lot of petty tyrants. I had a Mastodon account early on, but then when Mastodon started being a thing and I tried to log into it and I couldn't because whatever instance I was on blew up because I don't know why, because I hadn't checked it in years, but it might've been drama or it might've just been that whoever ran it didn't want to pay anymore. And so all of a sudden my account got yeah yeah
0: and it's hard to follow people who are in other instances
1: oh it's so poorly designed that way it's
0: really awkward and hard and that's tricky because i signed up originally years ago and just joined one random instance and then a few years later more recently i said well let me give it a go again and found that a shitload of my friends were on a different instance and like it was really really hard to just follow their accounts yeah, you have I'm to like yeah. in that instance and it's really hard to switch instances too. It's a huge pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, like they they instead of just being like if if you're on another instance than I am, I can't just follow you from that because I'm not on that instance. I have to copy your URL, paste it into my instance's search bar, and half the time that's kind of janky and doesn't work and I have to figure out Oh, do I need to delete the HTTPS part or do I need that or, Mm -hmm. or what? And I can't just search your quote unquote account, the at who's the, what's at who's the, what's to. (laughs) Yeah. They make the instances can talk to each other using the selling point, but none of it is actually designed. So the instances can talk to each other. It's like. That's the selling point, but from a design perspective, it's like a secondary or tertiary concern. And there's that conflict, and it just kind of makes it useless. Yeah. So we have Mastodon. There's Tumblr,
0: apparently. It's still chugging along, and I've heard it's actually quite good now. (laughs) Uh, It it also leans heavily toward text content. It's a lot more quiet than it was in its HD. And it still leans very heavily toward fandom, again, not as much as it used to, but it still leads toward that in terms of writing, when people are talking about writing, mm-hmm. a lot of the time they're talking about fanfic, and that's just not, that's not my bag, that's not what I want to talk about when I want to talk about writing, I want to talk about sort of trad pub, traditional writing type things, not about mm-hmm. what ship, what fandom do you like, here are the list of archive of our own relationship trope tags that we want, it's just, for me. And I've I've heard it's better than it was, but it's kind of got that downside to it, too. And the other side of it, too, is I know there was a mass exodus because they banned pornography, and maybe that sounds silly for me to talk about that, but the issue of adult content, many of these platforms ban adult content, ban explicitly sexual content. Well, that can be a real problem for you if your writing is more adult, if you're writing is about human sexuality in any way
2: mm-hmm. yeah exactly i i had a tumblr i think i opened like 2013 2014 whatever cursed year that was and then again when i bailed on fandom i didn't go back for years and years and then when things started to kind of go crazy on on twitter and and in this year of Lord, yeah i went back and dusted it off and i had i'd been using it a little bit here and there for promoting my last book that came out it is hard to get traction if you're promoting an original work and, and mm. if you're talking about writing and I know some people who are like oh I have such a good time there I promote my stuff and I'm like yeah but you write romance and YA and things that kind of lend themselves to that when you're almost 40 and you have back pain and you write about divorced assassins <laughs> you know yeah. it's kind of like I don't think I don't think I'm, I'm the crowd for that I don't write sexy Star Trek fan fiction anymore. That was a long time ago. That was a whole different me. So <laughs> while those things are definitely, they have their uses if you're kind of just hanging around with your friends, Tumblr and, and some of the blogs and, and stuff. But yeah, I, I just for my own trying to keep like a writing blog kind of thing and, and talk about writing processes and craft and trying to promote my own work. That was just just kind of a no-go, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I, di- I didn't really find it helpful for for promoting original fiction. I just, I didn't find it super useful for that, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's see. There is a new platform, CoHost. It's basically like a more mellow Tumblr. It's like Mastodon for Tumblr. (laughs) It doesn't, its big thing is it doesn't show like and reblog numbers. It's very much built to go against virality. And while CoHost is actually nice, it feels very mellow, and I believe they're much more friendly to adult content. There's like Mm -hmm. a ton of erotic furry artists on there. If you want platform for erotic furry art co-host is your friend and i mean it is kind of a nice atmosphere but i think its ability for for self-promotion at least now is quite limited we have had some decent engagement for some of our posts for for our uh, our podcast i think the one that got the most responses when we were talking about Literacy education and how fucked up it is in the United mm-hmm. States. It, that got a pretty good response, but by a good response, I'm talking like twenty comments. Which, when I get a big response on Twitter, we're talking hundreds.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so that's very very limited. And I was very pleased to see that it get the response it got there, and it was it was kind of nice, and it was you know good vibes. But it's kind of hard to really launch a career off of that. So I'd say, like, yeah, it's not a bad social network just just to be mellow on. Mm-hmm. But at the time, if you're looking to, if you're trying to be kind of like a shark to really build your brand and and promote yourself as a writer, I don't think it's super useful for that. Although, maybe it'll change. Who knows?
2: It was pretty funny. I was using it for, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks after it blew up. And they allowed me to post, unfortunately. It was kind of funny because, like, the first post that took off, I was thinking about, like, Twitter. And I've had that account for like 15 years and it's all pretty bad and we're all kind of looking for an alternative. And then I got like a pretty good, like you said, a pretty good response. 20 likes. And then some like re-coast co whatever they call it. Their retweet. And then Next thing I know, started people. People I follow were just like, "We need to stop talking about Twitter on here." And I'm like, "You know what, man? Just let me have my feelings." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going through it. I was on that site every day for 15 years, and I'm gonna miss it. So that was my co-host experience. People being like, "You, you freaking Twitter people are ruining our culture." And I'm like, yeah. "The only culture I see is coders and furries, which again, that's fine. I'm not against coders or furries or both, but it was just like." I'm just here to post, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> let yeah. me live.
2: Like, yeah, I guess it's like the the Twitter invader hostility and a lot of other platforms has kind of kind of kept me from moving around too much because everyone is just like, oh, they're gonna poison our waters, water. and I'm like, I poison my own water, thank you very <laughs> much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean these sites too. They do have their own culture and kind of acclimating to the new culture can be a little bit different. The culture of Facebook is different from the culture of Twitter, which is different from the culture of Mastodon, which is different from the culture of Tumblr. Yeah. And it can t- there's a different posting style and it takes some getting used to that. So let's see, moving on to more visual platforms. There's TikTok, which for all we know, it might get banned by the time <laughs> this episode comes out. It's got the visual emphasis, which isn't great for anyone who's not conventionally hot. I I am not going to dance for you fucking people, I am too old, I have a mortgage, I will not dance for your amusement, and I'm going to point out, it seems to favor the worst fucking books imaginable, whenever you go to a bookstore and it has the little shelf of, like, this is popular on on TikTok, you pick it up and it is the worst goddamn book ever written.
1: (laughs) Well, it wasn't, uh, what's, what's that terrible poet, uh, Ruby Kapoor? Oh God! Oh, the isn't yeah. is that where your she, fingers
0: dipped inside me?
1: Yeah, searching for honey that is not yours, or that yeah. will never be yours, or whatever. Yeah, something and, like that. Yeah, and I mean too that like, I admit this is basically me, old man yelling at cloud, but I just uh, do not get TikTok. Like I I um ended up talking with like a younger friend of mine, you know, and, <laughs> and she was trying to explain it to me, and I was like. And one of the weird things with that is that it tries to do. The algorithm is based off of things that you've engaged with, but if you don't, yeah. if you don't like things, it doesn't know what to do. So I would, I would try to use TikTok for for my job when trying to find viral stuff, and I didn't know that, so it would just be like, it would start. Since I guess I wasn't feeding, because I didn't know I had to feed it because. It's not a Tamagotchi. (laughs) Right. Again, I'm old. It would start showing me like this horrendous stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I would look through it and it would go like, oh, here's someone with a horrible malady. Or here's someone getting their arm ripped off practically. And it's just like, but the thing is, in a sense, I would be like, I would look at that and go like, oh, my God, it would, you know, I would be a lot past the point where it counts it as a view. So would mm-hmm. think that I would want more horrendous
2: stuff. Yeah, you're in there watching like Faces of Death and you're like, no, no, exactly, <laughs> no. exactly.
0: And oh, no. uh, the, uh, get I off use it a little lodge, bit and it is it is weird. It seems to think that I'm foreigner, but I doesn't know what my language is. So it keeps showing me videos from Spanish-speaking countries and then Indonesia and then mm-hmm. just various nations where I don't live. And these aren't translated, so I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it decides <laughs> I should see that, even though I do occasionally. Occasionally I'll get in there, and, and I, there are a couple of creators I follow there who kind of have interesting or fun stuff. But as far as promoting oneself writing, the nature of it that it's these very short videos that are very kind of peppy and and cutesy and meme is not it does not favor longer more thoughtful fiction mm-hmm.
2: exactly yeah or or it has to just be outright incendiary if you just go up there and just call a writer a child abuser then like yeah you you your account will absolutely blow up but then you're sitting there going yeah but you call this person a child abuser sight unseen and no one is like (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yeah and i i had a tiktok for a little bit i a couple months i guess i wasn't i didn't enjoy it very much because it again faces of death if you don't feed it uh you end up on like the worst algorithm but when i was looking into how authors were supposed to use it and have an account for every single thing that they were wanting to look at so that they wouldn't screw up their marketing feed uh, by like being a person and looking at things. I was like, I'm not having th- two or three accounts just so I can feed it part-time i have a full-time job i'm not going to feed the algorithm on all these accounts just to get someone to hopefully do a tiktok dance over the top of my book like i don't care that much if they're going (laughs) to do the dance that has to be out of their like the love of their heart i can't make that happen so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah i'm sure there are young brilliant amazing writers who can effectively use it but i'm i'm too fucking old i can't i'm sorry (laughs) no i'm i've made peace with that i'm okay that so tiktok is out for me and the government might ban it anyway i don't know
2: yeah i have too much knee pain for that so i'm I'm (laughs)
0: tired i can't i can't dance i i got i i got tennis elbow from using my mouse wrong so so okay i started using my mouse with my left hand at work because i wanted to avoid getting pain in my right shoulder from using my right hand on my mouse too much and finally realized that i've got this stiffness and pain in my left. Elbow and forearm from doing that, so I got like basically tennis elbow from posting. And oh there's God. zero dignity in that. I it's <laughs> in- incredibly embarrassing and makes me feel like a frail old person. Like, because I was lifting weights and going, "Why does my elbow hurt so much? Why does <laughs> this arm feel like shit?" I'm not doing. I'm, my form is fine. I'm not doing anything extra with this one arm. Oh fuck! Are you kidding me? It's for my mouse.
2: Oh my god. Like an
0: asshole? I got poster's elbow, and now I gotta, like, wear my arm in a sling? <laughs> Fuck. So, things, so TikTok, TikTok is die. just no. I don't want to know what embarrassing injuries I would get with my, <laughs> my frail old ligaments by attempting a TikTok dance. <laughs> so, YouTube. <laughs> oh boy. YouTube. Again, visual and audio-based, which doesn't necessarily... It, it's weird because it can be long form I know the algorithm of YouTube favors these insanely long videos mm-hmm. which can be kind of cool but somehow that does not lead to depth instead it leads to four hours of talking about something unbelievably weird and inconsequential and I mean there are some good booktubers our friend Chris cauldron who was a guest uh, Lola Sebastian has some really really thoughtful videos she does a lot of videos about people's weird n- need to try to do quote-unquote feminist retellings of lolita she's great and, yes and we I, love chris chris is great
1: yeah I, I i love uh lola's stuff like the roger fishbite video which is one of the terrible knockoff lolita's of let, let's oh, yeah. let's rewrite lolita even though we don't understand it genre uh.
2: yeah yeah Lolita's great
0: yeah, but again, a... YouTube really favors the people who are more visually oriented and conventionally attractive, which, for many writers, might not be the case. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and it has
0: its own kind of gross bullshit algorithms too. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and and I was just gonna say, I think it's primarily more beneficial for like book reviewers and critics versus like authors themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose you could
0: do a critical account and have your own shill your own book on top of it
2: yeah I'd that would rather probably not. be
0: a great way to do it but again that's so much work and it's like oh you have you've just created this side job for yourself yeah to try to do the thing you actually want to do
1: yeah like the only writer i can think of who's really done anything with their writing is may Leeds, uh aka nick spheres yeah. And, yeah and and by the way like Fluids is great, by the way. I just want to shout that out. But like, that's good to know. Yeah, honestly, I really liked it. I haven't read Girl Flesh yet, but I'm looking forward to it. But but she would actually read the first five chapters on on there, and I I don't know how necessarily that worked for her in terms of engagement. But usually, her method is here's a video essay about something else. By the way, by my book, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, here's a video essay on some incredibly obscure, horrible horror movie that eight people have seen. Yes, I'm gonna talk about it for two straight hours.
2: But, yeah, but I, also,
1: I, I love that though. <laughs>
2: it yeah. kind of rocks. Yeah, but, and, but but with with May, especially, I've been watching her since like forever. I lived, like forever, because I, I lived like down the highway from her when we both lived in Texas. I've been watching wow. her. Forever with her, it's very interesting because she pivoted from being a critic and a musician and a short filmmaker. I think she made several short films and then mm. having parts in films, and then pivoting to to a writer. And you're like, yeah, that's cool, but that was like a decade. <laughs> you yeah, <know>?
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> So props, props uh, for real. But yeah, that that's that's rough. That's a rough yeah go of it to start from to start from zero and then try to do live readings of your book. <laughs> hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's see. YouTube. There's also Insta, of course, which granted is not as popular as it used to be. I know a lot of young people simply aren't on Insta anymore. It's it's also getting shittier because everything Zuckerberg touches just turns to trash after a while. And again, it's very visual. There's a culture of books as aesthetic, which doesn't lend itself well to depth. Occasionally a book that's actually good, can kind of break through that, but it seems like it's more a well established book. There's the dark academia <laughs> aesthetic, and of course, Donna Tart's The Secret History is a big part of that. But like, Donna Tart didn't need Insta to get big, Donna Tart's book was already fucking huge. Mm-hmm. And the books that seem to do well that are starting from Insta tend to be a lot more sort of cute, YA. Happy AO3 tag the same the same old stuff which again if you're doing that that's awesome I'm happy for you oh yeah but if you're not doing that what's it gonna do for you
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah and and know, I think we've all seen how so many of the promos that seem to be on insta are of that AO3 thing where it's like this book has enemies to lovers and whatever other stuff that's from TV tropes, you know, or yeah. ao 3 tags, And it's just, here's more stuff from the pipeline. And if your book isn't necessarily pipeline ready, I don't see it really taking off. I don't even know how much of those enemies to lovers type of ads even do. I don't know, it just, it bugs me. I, I yeah, get off my lawn
2: yeah i i spent a fair bit of time on instagram like i said before i made the mistake of drinking the kool-aid a little bit and <laughs> following some marketing <laughs> templates that do not work for me and so you when you're on when i did it on twitter it was a mistake when i did it on instagram it's definitely a mistake because they're way more primed for that the audiences and such yeah you can make the nice graphic and you can say the right things but when they open up the book and you didn't write. the the version of the book they had in their head because you used the tags and said the thing, then it's like, okay, you've lost a potential reader because you sold them the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And you've alienated the people who probably would have clicked on it if you had presented it more accurately or faithfully for like the content of the book and, and the ideas in it because you're like enemies of lovers I'm clicking off that shit so you're like <laughs> you know so y- if you had seen that ad you'd be like fuck that and I would have lost the potential reader I'm not going to say sale because that's like so mercenary no a uh, potential reader you know it-, it is just a rock and a hard place because you yeah you- those posts those very pretty aesthetic posts get way more traction but like I'm not writing like a why a queer romance with vampires? Like I'm just writing this whole other thing, this dirty redneck vampire thing, <laughs> you know <laughs> and and the people who were looking for like, oh yeah, I love near dark vampires. They're not going to click on that because it looks like cemetery boys or something. And so i've I've alienated one potential reader and then alienated another because I've given them the wrong book. So it is really hard to navigate because you you can do the right thing, but, yeah, you don't really win at the end of the day. You get a lot of clicks and views, but you don't really win anything.
1: Mm-hmm. It's kind of the head conundrum. It's like the the head is the monkeys movie, which bombed horribly on release because it was actually this brilliant deconstruction of everything of the prefab monkeys image it's a complete deconstruction it's like this really great art film but the thing is is that the people who really like art films wouldn't see because oh it's the monkeys movie yeah yeah, and 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 the monkeys fans were like uh this isn't cute and fun wacky stuff wacky slapstick this is this dark and twisted
0: you know that's amazing (laughs) i didn't know that that is wild
1: Oh, 100% go see head.
0: That's it's, so funny. So so for for, for younger for younger listeners, the Monkees <laughs> were a boy band in the 1960s that were sort of like a uh, watered-down knockoff Beatles. The the big hit is Daydream Believer and a lot of adolescent girls were really really big into them and there was this scandal at the time because they don't write their own music, you know. <laughs> yeah. They don't write their own Back back in those days, apparently people gave a shit about that. They don't really care about that anymore.
1: Yeah, and for what it's worth, I love the I love every aspect of the monkeys. Like the music was really great. Daydream Believer is a banger. It's such a great song. It it turns out when you get the the country's top songwriters to make these ready made hits, it turns out they're really good. (laughs) Yeah, shock. It turns out, yeah. So they're, know they're nowhere doing.
0: near as cool as the Beatles were, but like, <laughs> honestly, they got some pretty solid little pop tunes. They're real fun. Mm-hmm. I did not know they did a fucking art film. That is <laughs> wild.
1: Yes. No. Honestly, like, it's on the Criterion uh, Channel, oh or at least it what? was. At least it was. What? I think it still is. But it's a that is it's amazing, a fucking phenomenal movie. It really is by Bob Raffelson and That's like and Jack fucking Nicholson. the
0: Backstreet Boys doing an avant-garde film. That is <laughs> wild.
1: Exactly, yeah. It's basically if Backstreet Boys collaborated with, like, I don't know, David Lynch. <laughs> yeah,
2: cool. I would watch
0: that. God damn, I would watch that.
2: We gotta reconvene. We all have to watch it and then come back. <laughs>
1: God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, seriously. it It's legit a great, great film, so. That
0: really sounds fun. So so Insta, uh, anyway, has its ups and downs, returning more to more text-based platforms again. There's Reddit. There's Reddit. <laughs> there are two downsides of Reddit. One is that Reddit has some very strict rules against self-promotion because they don't want people obnoxiously going, buy my book, look at my website, look at my thing, blah, 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 all the time, because that can be really obnoxious. And the number two, although really the most important downside to Reddit, is that it's full of redditors. <laughs> the culture of Reddit is not as gross as it was, say, five years ago. But the, it, it's I mean, Reddit. you look at the reading and writing subreddits. It's it's not super deep. It's very kind of stem lord rather shallow approach to fiction like r slash fantasy seriously believes that Brandon Sanderson is the great Brandon Sanderson is the greatest fantasy writer of all time so that kind of tells you what do you need to know
2: <laughs> like just like every time I look at the traffic from my or uh, from my substack from like where recommendations are coming from and I see Reddit it in there and I'm like you all better be cool about this this better be a normal thread I can't go verify so
0: yeah it I mean, some there are some Reddit communities or re- the main Reddit writing and reading communities are terrible. But there are these little spin-off communities called Circle Jerks that exist mainly to shitpost and make fun of the bigger communities. But ironically, they're like way, way better and way smarter and more fun. <laughs> they're still very Reddity, but like r slash book Circle Jerk is legitimately really funny a lot of the time and really irreverent. So you can have fun there. Maybe you can kind of network a teeny bit, but I, I don't know how the fuck you'd promote yourself through that. Yeah. A little bit hard just because you there are rules against that. And, and Reddit is not like other social media sites where you have your profile that people visit and follow. People don't really follow you. Mm-hmm. They're part of these communities. So gaining a following there is incredibly difficult. It's super, super hard, I guess, unless you're a mod. But even then, it seems like a really tough way to get your name out there so much. It's more centered around engaging with content and having these discussions than it is about sort of following people. So it's got kind of limited use, I guess, for a writer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you did mention Substack. You have a Substack? I also have a Substack, and I'm actually enjoying Substack a fair bit. It's sort of a blogging slash email service. You have a blog, but it can also, if you have subscribers, they subscribe by email. And when you write a new post, an email of it will be sent directly to their inbox. So I've been using it as a monthly newsletter and also occasionally putting up some little blog posts, little essays that I don't really have another space for. And I am enjoying that and I am enjoying writing longer content as per the older blogging days, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot easier to follow things on Substack than it was to follow a bunch of scattered blogs back in Mm -hmm. the old days, and I do kinda like that. They just unrolled a sort of Twitter clone feature called Notes, and I kinda, I dig it so far, but it's really small, and the owners have released statements saying they're going to be very laissez-faire about issues of bigotry which I find kind of a concern. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. as it gets bigger, that can become a huge, huge problem. Unfortunately, an unmoderated uh, social media site just isn't really viable without moderation. It turns into a cesspool pretty quickly. Mm. So they're either going to have to switch that policy if they want the com- the platform to be profitable. Or they'll watch it turn into a swamp that kind of chases away normal people. And, and this isn't just this isn't just sort of marginalized people. This isn't just a matter of principle. It's just that most people don't want to be around kind of gross, nasty bigots because it's just not fun. It doesn't feel good to be around it. It feels kind of gross. Mm -hmm. So if you're normal, if you're a respectable journalist, or if you're just kind of a normal, engaging writer, you're going to look at that eventually and go like, no, no, thanks. I'm going to so i'm on there for now and i'm enjoying it for now we'll see how it goes as it grows how's it going to change if it changes for the worse, the one good thing about it is that i can take my list of current subscribers email addresses and just use it for a newsletter service from some other platform
2: yeah that's kind of where i'm at with substack like notes is interesting to your point about like normal people like there aren't at least in my experience, because I, I kind of like run in an, an eclect- eclectic sort of circle, normal readers kind of aren't there. It's mostly just content creators, so it is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of interesting to see the different people network and discuss things. It's just it does it feel a little too much like a water cooler because it's really yeah. devoid of the general context of the internet. And so the conversations are really like weird and kind of closed off. I mean, it's interesting because like watching a bunch of people that I follow discuss, I don't know, Chinese animation from whatever decade is cool. But then my readers aren't here because they're just normal people over there. And they're not following creators to follow them and, and then read because they just read the, the sub stack, you know, the, the newsletter. Yeah. They just read that. They're happy with that. So I, I've been trying to figure out who I'm talking to it's just for networking that's cool I I, you know I don't mind posting a little bit about my stuff but then it's like but none of my actual friends are here so so then I take my sorry self back to Twitter because all my friends aren't here but I do like the ease and the discoverability of Substack and how easy it is to share things yeah Yeah. things don't go viral but you can pick up a lot of comments and likes and shares so I, I do like the ease of it and uh, yeah, if it turns to shit, I will absolutely go to Button Down or one of the other clones because I don't, yeah. Yep. I, don't need, I don't need Nazis. I got enough problems. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so right now it looks
0: like it definitely has the potential to be something really good, but it depends on how the how the owners want to run it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I hope it goes well. I would like mm-hmm. it to go well because they also have a podcast hosting feature too, which is pretty great because we, we put right Good up on there as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Which is quite nice to be able to do that, but, I mean, who knows? It's not one hundred percent up to me. And the downside of all the social media stuff is that it's not your platform. You don't own it. You can't really control it very much. Yeah. And and that that kind of blows. So Substack, Discord, of course, we have a Discord. If you're if you subscribe to the Right Good Patreon, you get an invitation to the Discord. And I, so far, am digging Discord. It's These small siloed communities basically group DMs with a couple of more features in them. Uh, It can be a good networking opportunity. There's kind of limited self-promotional opportunity. Though Kurt, uh, Kurt of Bloodknife, Kurt of Podside Picnic, says he's had a lot of success promoting Bloodknife that way. Because he's Mm -hmm. in a couple of Discord communities that have interest in that realm. And he's sort of posted stuff from Bloodknife in there and seen it get a big response and from there people will post it in other other communities that they're in it is very much a siloed community thing but that doesn't mean there's no potential i mean i'm thinking of the olden days of message boards Mm -hmm. for a really long time something awful which was a siloed off message board you needed it had its unique culture it had uh, an entrance fee of like ten dollars really was a huge shaper of culture yeah we have a lot of contemporary memes that are based on fucking Something Awful posts from 15 years ago. If I say the phrase Grover House,
2: <laughs> both of you know what
0: that is. Unfortunately, and it's, yes. <laughs> and it's from a Something Awful thread where a goon, because that's what you call Something Awful users, they're goons, attempted to build an addition onto his house despite not really knowing anything about architecture or home building or vinyl siding, or plumbing, or electricity, (laughs) or any of the things you'd need to know in order to make a habitable dwelling. Yeah, And it just became this infamous thread of this guy making a series of increasingly even worse decisions, getting a lot of advice saying, bro, don't do that, please don't do that, and then doing it anyway, and posting (laughs) a photo of the results while everyone goes insane. To this day, if you... Mentioned Grover House, people know what Grover House
2: is.
0: (laughs) Something Awful also birthed Slender Man. It came from that, so it is absolutely possible for sort of a smaller... I mean, it wasn't that small, but closed-off, siloed community to have immense reach beyond the bounds of the community.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think we've all seen the memes going around where it's the uh, progressively larger dominoes and the smallest domino is low-tax bans what was it low-tax bans porn on essay and yeah. the biggest yeah. one will be donald trump is elected president and the thing the the bizarre thing is <laughs> it's
2: true <You> know. <laughs> yeah
1: it you it is really yeah it is somehow can, true
0: in this very strange way
1: yeah you you actually can draw that direct line and it's bizarre but i i can yeah it's so strange
2: well yeah. and also not to, not to cut you off but like i i think because of the open and dependent nature of social media is that we tend to forget that even in closed off siloed communities like a discord or like a forum is that those people exist in space like they, they have friends and they have co-workers and they, and they know other people and And so we kind of take those things for granted sometimes. That like, oh, I have to be on the 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 most viral platform with no regulation, and everyone has to see me all the time. It's the only way I'm going to promote my work. Yeah, but people, these are real people, and speaking to them in in a more intimate not that something awful is intimate but like (laughs) you know a slightly less (laughs) twittery space might endear more people to whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're promoting your work yeah. or someone else's work. And now I, I think we sometimes take those things for granted. Cause I mm. know even just hanging around like the, the right good discord for the last few months, which I am a more like perpetual lurker, but that's cool. okay. I've gotten closer to some people that kind of knew from Twitter and had some really interesting conversations and got more eyes on my newsletter and stuff so even just this this shitting around that space has been a net positive you know so i think we take the we take these things for granted sometimes yeah and 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 i've definitely
0: made writer friends from it in ways that have been very very valuable just from people in our discord from people in other discords that i'm in and i've definitely found because the culture of our discord is is very particular it's been very good for me and i think very good for a a good number of members in terms of motivating Mm
2: -hmm. to just
0: fucking sit your ass down and write Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
1: and i also would point out kind of piggybacking off of what uh megan was saying is that i think that the word of mouth nature of discord it's slower but it's got more staying power Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because Sure, something might go viral on Twitter, but there's such a churn with Twitter that, I mean, obviously you have the main character of the day, and there's a few of the main characters who have stuck around. Like, I can mention Bean Dad, and I think people will still remember, (laughs) but people don't know that Bean Dad was also the guy of the band The Long Winters, or, or whatever. They just know he's the guy who wouldn't open a can of beans for his dang kid. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't think, and, but I think that with stuff that like Blood Knife, there's been more of that. And I mean, we can, I, I mean not to toot your own, toot your horn Raquel, but I mean, look at, look at um, everyone is beautiful and no one is horny. Yep. That, <laughs> that pops up so much because, not because uh. of I mean, it's gone viral on Twitter repeatedly, but I think it kind of broke out via discords and, and stuff like that. And I think that's why it keeps popping up. No one is replying to people on Twitter now that it's been two or three years, however long it's been, and go like, oh, do you remember Bean Dad? I remember this Bean Dad, you know? It's, yeah. But you get that where it's like, Oh, I read this really great article. Maybe you should read it. And then, and I mean, haven't people even sent that to you, Raquel? Yeah, uh,
0: I know. I, Going, I you should it. read this. I said I did. <laughs> I,
2: I, I did, in fact, read
0: it
1: while I was writing it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think that's like the bonus of discard. Is it's it, it's the old word of mouth. It's the sleeper hit kind of thing that you used yeah. to get with movies before the before the internet really would be like oh yeah you it might not have gotten like a million views on opening weekend but it keeps slowly growing and being worth it for theaters to keep the movie for months even like i i i just listened to a really great uh episode of you must remember this about film and louise where mm. yeah it it i didn't bomb on its opening weekend but it wasn't It was kind of a small niche film, but the thing is, is they kept it in theaters long after many of the stuff that opened with it had been out for, out of theaters for ages. Huh. I want to say it premiered in like the summer, maybe like June, I think. But even in September, when you have the fall season, it was still in theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean... That is a weirdly long time. Yeah, it's... You get stuff like that that has the long tail, and and I mean, I know that that is like a marketing term, too, but I mean... Yeah. It really is true. I mean, just among our own little, like, clique of friends, nocebo, you know? Yeah. We were like... Like, I don't remember who watched it first. I think Cordy, right? I think Cordy. Yeah, and she's all like, "Hey, there's this really great Filipino film that you should check out." And then I think you watched it next, Raquel, and were like, "Wow, this is really good." And then like, I, I I think it wasn't me next; it was one or two
0: other people, and they were talking about it. And I saw these discussions with these huge blocks of black bars to to hide spoilers. I'm like, <laughs> Fuck! I want to I want to I, I want to see what the spoiler is. I've ever watched mm-hmm. this fucking movie before I get it spoiled, and I go, "Shit, this is really good." Yeah, and then make everyone else watch it.
1: Yeah, and and then you made me watch it, and I made my folks watch it. (laughs) Yeah. And we all love this. And so. And I I
0: think that's good. That kind of slow build probably seems like something that would favor slightly more thoughtful writing in a way that quick virality wouldn't favor very well. Mm hmm. So that's good. And and we're not just saying this because we have a Discord. <laughs> we're not just saying this because for $1, yes. you too <laughs> can join the right good Discord on Patreon. But I definitely have found it one of the better social media sites or social media apps. I've definitely found it less soul-crushing. I definitely spend way more time than I should on it. But in terms of the corrosion, it... The harm it has inflicted on my soul and the time it has wasted and stolen from me writing, I think it's definitely got a better balance than many of the others. Because as much time as I've spent on there, a hell of a lot of that is, hey, we have a channel that's just about writing, and there's a little bot function that you can use that can tell you, sit your ass down and write for 60 minutes. Sit your ass down and write for 20 fucking minutes. Go write, write, fucking write for 20 minutes, and then post your word count that can be extremely, extremely motivating. And, mm-hmm. and that has, it can and has been helpful. I'm not quite sure if I would have had quite as much motivation to put as much time into my novel as I've been putting into it, if not uh, being able to talk about it on just
2: Yeah, I, I am like in complete agreement and not just cause I'm a patron. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: uh, thank you for um, your dollar.
2: Yeah, so thank you. For, yes, here's one dollar. Thank you for letting me on the podcast. No, um, I, I always t- I always tell my girlfriend because she's always like lurking around when I'm like, reading dumb stuff that like people are talking about, and I was I always tell her this is the one place that I found online where being a writer is taken truly seriously, and everyone has so much passion for it, and everyone enjoys writing and talking about writing and thinking about writing, and it's the one place that like I can look at and talk to people and. Even if I don't like say anything, I do read the stuff that comes through when everyone's sharing their their works in progress and stuff, and it's just so like you were saying, motivating and calming for me because like I go on Twitter and I'm like, ah, I'm going to die here. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you like on the right good
0: Discord, somebody's like, well, I just wrote this really fucked up sex scene. Check out the sex scenes. Going, yeah. I just wrote a murder. Check out this murder. <laughs> yeah, and, and All because right.
2: exactly. Yay. Woo! come on yeah but like and also it's because it's such a, a, a mix of people from different backgrounds and genres and working on different things i'm working on novels or short stories or some people are traditionally published and people are self-published and it's cool because it's like it's so relaxed it's so chill everyone is so supportive and it's even if you just want to throw something up there and just be like oh my god i i, I wrote this please clap someone will clap for you and it's and yeah it's, it doesn't feel fake I don't feel placated i don't feel like someone's like trying to buy me off for a future favor it's just (laughs) like oh it's it's it is truly like like an oasis to me a a permanently crushed person on twitter (laughs) yeah you're welcome you may accept my dollar
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for your dollar yes but i do praise
2: yes i do enjoy it it's it's a very nice space so good (laughs) good job good job friends in in closing
0: give us a dollar
2: in closing (laughs) give
0: us exactly (laughs) one dollar give a dollar so so we've been talking about this for about an hour and a half and i think it's time to to wrap it up so that we can all get back to our lives and by lives i mean posting too much (laughs) (laughs) i don't know probably hopefully not posting (laughs) i gotta feed i gotta give my cats their treat for the night before they start biting me before we go uh let us know what are some things you would like to promote speaking of self-promotion i will let megan cubed go first
2: why well, thank you as long as twitter exists you can find me there under you know at megan cubed i have a sub stack uh, it is a monthly newsletter i talk about writing craft media i'm engaging with so it could be comics books film tv whatever um that's kind of like my my project right now is my monthly newsletter you can find that at megancubed.substack.com you can find links to all of my short stories books of varying quality and you know, genre preference at my website megancubed.net and uh yeah i'm lurking around the discord
0: <laughs> okay now it's matt's turn
2: go 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 huh.
1: uh <sighs> well i'd like to promote um the, this site called Kitty Sneezes, especially this um, podcast, <laughs> I, d- I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Write Good.
0: Uh... <laughs> it's spelled wrong. The person who runs it must be a fucking idiot. They can't spell the word right. You
1: shouldn't take writing advice from someone like that. God. <laughs> but but yeah, and um, like I've kind of said, I'm between gigs right now. So if you happen to need yeah. a editor for your magazine, uh, hit me up.
0: <laughs> yeah. G- give, give Matt a job. Give Matt some, give him some work, man. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both for coming on, and thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard, head to patreon.com slash good and subscribe. Subscribers can get access to the Discord and or a monthly bonus episode. Until next time, keep writing good.
1: This has been Write Good with Raquel S. Benedict. Hosted by Raquel S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keely for KS Media LLC. Theme song by OK Glass. For comments and concerns, please write to us at writegood at Kittysthesis.com. That is R-I-T-E-G-U-D at If you'd like to support us, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com Slash right good. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. KittySneezes.com in color.